This podcast was recorded at Hartford Street Zen Center, Isanji, in San Francisco. Please help support our temple by making a donation at hscc.org. I can't get away with stopping there. No. Well, even though it might be better if I did. Now, all ancestors and all Buddhas who uphold Buddha Dharma have made it the true path of enlightenment to sit upright practicing in the midst of self-fulfilling samadhi. Those who attained enlightenment in India and China followed this way. It was done so because teachers and disciples personally transmitted this excellent method as the essence of the teaching. In the authentic tradition of our teaching, it is said that this directly transmitted, straightforward Buddha Dharma is the unsurpassable of the unsurpassable. From the first time you meet a master without engaging in incense offering, bowing, chanting Buddha's name, repentance, or reading scriptures, you should just wholeheartedly sit and body and mind fall away. I, um, I was uh, awake uh, during the night and uh, I, I started to worry that um, Here we are, uh, speaking of the self-fulfilling samadhi, but some people might reasonably object, well, wait, Buddha said there's no self to be found. So how can there be a self-fulfilling samadhi? Anybody uh, wonder about that? Uh-oh. This is a sophisticated crowd, I see. Well, um, well, if nobody wondered about that, I don't know what to talk about. Oh, did you wonder? Well, not wonder, but um, was I was reading the text again last night that this was coming from. Uh-huh. It seems like it's, um, I don't know, it's like a look body-mind location where the Dharma body can illuminate 
but there is a location. I mean, um, we are sitting in a certain uh -huh. place. Yes. In a certain, yeah. So that's kind of where I went with that mm -hmm. interpretation. So. Well, I guess uh, from my necessarily limited point of view, it, it looks as though we are all sitting in that same place. Mm -hmm. And the ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. When I said we, I meant the big we. Yeah, the big we. So, uh, to uh, uh, elaborate maybe unnecessarily, Uh, you know, although it's sometimes said that Buddha uh, taught that there isn't any self, that's not quite right. Um, those of you who've had to uh, put up with my Dharma talks before will know that um, I brought up this point but in fact would someone else like to um, elaborate on what I'm, I'm saying before I even have to bother <laughs> no self to be got at no substantial self no abiding self okay uh -huh. So, there's a self of sorts, eh? But it is not permanent. It is not uh, a possession. And uh, maybe most importantly, it is not isolated. So, Buddha thought that um, in order to convey his insight, he, uh, you know, he reflected on how maybe it wouldn't be so helpful if he just said, by the way, folks, there's no self to be got at. And in the Geophilosophical ferment of 6th century BCE India, you know, he probably couldn't get away with that anyway. There were quite a few uh, dedicated uh, philosophers and yogis who would say, oh, wait a minute, you know, uh, on a certain level, that is manifestly untrue. So uh, Buddha reflected on how he could elaborate and say, well, the only self that is there is uh, a composite. 
tangible uh, sensation, uh, cognition, karmic consciousness, and more broad consciousness. And he, um, I, I think, periodically, <coughs> he would uh, challenge any um, any of those uh, yogis and so forth uh, to find something other than or beyond those that phenomenology. And no, no one did, and no one has. So that means, in a sense, that the, the door of the self is wide open. And that, uh, fundamentally, The self is light. I don't mean not heavy, although I guess you could say that. I mean radiance. It says here, one sec, it says here, grass, trees, and lands, which are embraced by this teaching, together radiate a great light and endlessly expound the inconceivable, profound dharma. Self-fulfilling samadhi is uh, an invitation uh, to sit and let the radiance proceed without interfering. I don't know that you can really interfere, but anyway, without interfering. some point, I guess you could say, uh, words fail. And there's just this radiance. But uh, there's something tricky about this radiance. So uh, anybody? know what that is? What's tricky about it? 
It's empty. It is. That's sort of tricky about everything, but in particular. <laughs> I mean, radiance is a metaphor, and it's a very, I think, accurate and effective one, but there's a point at which it's, there's something about it that's not like, well, that radiance. It's unproduced. I mean, unproduced in, in that sense, like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you could say that. And it's a product of maybe the aggregates harmonizing with the... I mean, I don't know, language. Yeah. I get it. Um, I get a well, no, that, that's okay. It, um, it's not other than the aggregates, let's put it no, that way. No, it's not. But they're not going around an inherent self, like, oh, there's me, there's yeah. me, there's me. Right. Right. Different. Um, Arrangement. But what did what did Master Yunman say? I wonder if it was Yunman, but right in light there is darkness. Well, that was Shirto, but that's that's good. Except Yunman was the one who said. Everybody has a light, right? But then what did he say? He said, if you look at it, you can't see it. It's dark and dim. So that's the tricky part about being the, so to speak, source of the radiance. You don't get to see it. Others may see it, and you may see it elsewhere. But if we're sitting in Jiji Uzanmai, in the Self-Fulfilling Samadhi, waiting to be able to behold the radiance, it's like, uh, no, don't do that. It's already unnecessary. Uh, Mark, did you have a question? The, which of the elements is that radiance? Which of the five? Yeah. It's all of them. It's not other than the five. It's all of the five. It's okay to argue. If you, you know, don't like that answer. Yes? You're going to argue? <laughs> well, maybe. Uh -huh. um, is this also what's referred to as clear light? Yes, um, that's kind of another way of speaking the same thing. The, uh, uh, um, the tantric is like the clear light of bliss, for instance, which is, um, from one perspective, the fundamental nature of everything is clear light. And as my buddy, actually he's not my buddy, but I wish he were, Professor Thurman says, It isn't like this light that has a source. It's, uh, it isn't like the kind of light that illuminates something. It's, it's clear in the sense that, um, let's see, I think it's likened to uh, the light of a gem or moonlight maybe, 
that is pervasive without any particular source and it doesn't fall on something from somewhere else. So that makes it sound, well, rather empty. When you turn the light inward, why is there to be illuminated? Well, among other things, the, the symphony of the aggregates, that's illuminated, you could say. And Yunman kind of says that too, right? But what does he say after? He says, you, you can't see it, it's dark and dim. Remember, he says, what is everybody's light? He sort of says, the front door, the bathtub, you see how that can be? How are the front door, the bathtub, everybody's light? And we say, they're not there without you. And because they're not there without you, we have the self-fulfilling samadhi uh, taking place wherever we are, which is kind of to say everywhere. ancestor said, what does he say? He says, uh, or what does she say, or what do, what do they say? They say, because I am clearly observing, words cannot reach it. Therefore, words fail, so to speak. This being so, the Sazen, the Jijuyu's on my the self-fulfilling samadhi of even one person at one moment 
imperceptibly accords with all things and fully resonates through all time. Thus, in the past, future and present of the limitless universe, this samadhi carries on the Buddha's teaching endlessly. Each moment of this samadhi is equally wholeness of practice, wholeness of realization. So, uh, that's so much for light as a metaphor. Here's another one. This is not only practice while sitting. It is like a hammer striking emptiness. Before and after, its exquisite peel permeates everywhere. even if all Buddhas of the Ten Directions, as innumerable as the sands of the Ganges River, exert their strength, and with Buddha wisdom try to measure the merit of one person's <coughs> self-fulfilling samadhi, they will not be able fully to comprehend it. Once again, words fail. <clears throat> We've uh, We've uh, had, had our, our share of uh, some challenges this retreat. Uh, what's today? Saturday? Today Saturday. Basically, from Wednesday evening through last night, I was ill with migraine. Uh, today so far, Okay, and David's back. Not quite gave up the ghost, but is thinking about it. So we hope that will not happen. <coughs> and some of our personnel are periodically drawn away by other responsibilities. So this retreat is a little bit like marbles rolling around all over the floor, and I can catch them bring them together. But still, uh, can you, I mean, can you feel it? I can feel it, kind of. So I am very grateful to all of the energy people have expended. 
Cheryl, our, our Tenzo, who's keeping us alive with delicious food. Had to go to work today. Hardly seems fair. So now I'm expecting everything to fall apart. <laughs> see, see if that happens. She's left good instructions for us. She did. Even as things fall apart, there is a great light. So that's pretty good. And uh, tomorrow is um, the day we celebrate Buddha's enlightenment. So. Uh, maybe some of you can join us for that. Um, and our retreat vessel will uh, officially open around noon after the ceremony. And uh, usually there's, there's good things to eat. Uh, so if you can come to the ceremony, that'd be great. And, but even if you come for the good things to eat, that's also okay. Yes? Yes. There a Dharma talk too? Yes. Wonderful. You have some questions today? Yes? When I was reading the text, and I'm sorry I can't pronounce his name, 18th century one that Oh, Menzon? Menzon. Mm -hmm. um, he was pretty critical in a lot of places. He, he really expounded on the self-fulfilling samadhi, but he was also very critical, as you showed on the first day, about Rinzai and the prevailing thing, which happens in other schools, too. Yeah. There's like a reform. So he's kind of seemed like kind of reformer, but he at one point he was just riffing and he's like going, the only ones that really are doing it authentically was like Bodhidharma, yeah, and the six patriarchs, six ancestors, yeah, and then all it's the like Dogen. yeah, everyone else is Hinayana and they're yeah. this and they're that, and I mean it was like <laughs> it was really cool. And then he go off in the trees, and then he go back, and you know he was, right. it was amazing. Yeah, well, you know that was around the time. Menzan and his teacher Manzan, Manzan Dohaku and his student Menzan Zuiho, they were uh, instrumental in bringing Dogen back to the foreground of, especially in the Soto school. Uh, so he'd been kind of the, the province of like a few specialists, uh, almost as though people wanted to keep it secret. And at this point, uh, Menzon and others said, no, this is dumb. He's the great treasurer of our house. Let's put it out there so people can see it. And not only that, doing that will help correct some misapprehensions people have acquired. Uh, for example, at that time, it, maybe not very many people at all had any 
real appreciation of the self-fulfilling samadhi. Um, so it was kind of a re reform, and he was kind of ringing the bell for um, a new awakening. So you're saying that at this point, Dogen and his teaching had sort of receded yeah. and faded into yes. the background? Yes, it was very little known until sometime in the 18th century. It was kind of resurrected, and people said, well, I know, this is an incredible thing. Why are we sitting on it for so long? Who knows? But he's also, Dogen's not, uh, you could say he's not all that people-friendly. Mm. And people who read Dogen sometimes are, get very frustrated. He's trippy. He's trippy, and, and as I said before, he's always talking about Zazen. So if, if you lose that connection, then it starts to get like, what is, what is this stuff? But if you actually have that, if you keep that connection, it's like, oh yeah, this, uh, this teaching resonates in Zazen and vice versa. So people who have like tried to compare Dogen with Heidegger or something, it's like, well, why would they do that? Heidegger didn't practice Zazen, as far as I know, maybe he did. So it's going to be, to treat Dogen as a philosopher is maybe tempting, but not that helpful, mm -hmm. I don't think. It's experiential. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have a chance to uh, hang out in the self-fulfilling samadhi some more. David and Shindo are going to give us lunch, and so things still look pretty good. Thank you very much.